Welcome to the Small Business Leadership Podcast. I'm Jason Johnson. And I'm Tom Patton. There are more than 30 million small businesses in the United States alone, which accounts for nearly all U.S. businesses. But what does it take to be successful in a small business? On this podcast, we talk with small business owners and others about leadership and what it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. And welcome to this episode of the Small Business Leadership Podcast, where we hear from small business leaders who lead, innovate, and lift global economies every day. In this episode, I am super excited to welcome Dr. Augustin Fu from Fu Analytics. And it was an article I encountered on LinkedIn. Uh, we connected that prompted us to get together and have him join us as a guest on the podcast. Um, I will not go into too much detail. I'll let Dr. Fu share his own story, but really quickly, um, he has been a small business owner for 25 years, so he understands and has been in the trenches. Uh, Dr. Fu has his PhD from MIT, so he's also a super smart dude, way smarter than I am, so that's one of the reasons why I'm super stoked to have him join us on this episode. So welcome, Dr. Fu. Thank you, Jason. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be talking to other small business owners as well. We really appreciate you taking some of uh, the time out to what I'm sure is a super busy day. So, Dr. Fu, could you please share with our audience a little bit about your background and, and kind of what you do and, and also what, what Fu Analytics does? Sure. Um, I've been in the digital marketing industry here in New York since about 1995. So right after I left uh, MIT, um, you know, I completed my PhD in material science and chemical engineering. Nothing to do with what I do these days, but I came to New York and started with a consulting company called McKinsey and Company. And right around that time, mid nineties was when the internet was bubbling up and out of academia or, you know, universities and military, and it was becoming more widely available to the public. And back then I remember we still had to convince people they needed a website, right? So those are the early days of the internet. So I've been doing digital marketing ever since then, all of that here in New York. Um, I have done some rotations at uh, both big companies like American Express, as well as big agencies like IPG, Interpublic Group, and Omnicom. But uh, for the most part of that 25 years, I've been a digital marketing practitioner in the sense that I look at Google Analytics myself. I've created search marketing programs, you know, digital programs and things like that. And I've also done that on a consulting basis for other clients. So I'm kind of uh, hands-on. And I think a lot of the small business owners are, are that way as well, because they have to look at uh, their, their analytics. They, they are the ones who set up the digital marketing programs. So I'm happy to share some of my experiences. And a final word is on Foo Analytics. Um, you can kind of think of that as a parallel to Google Analytics. But because I study ad fraud, and basically ad fraud is basic, uh, just ads shown to bots and not to humans, the bot activity is also recorded in the analytics. So if you can't separate out what clicks and traffic come from bots versus what clicks and traffic came from humans, then your analysis or, or your the insights that you get out of your analytics become suspect, right? Because sometimes you'll say, oh, well, we're getting so many clicks from this website or whatever, we should allocate more money to it. But in fact, it's actually bots clicking on your ads. So then that's actually worse for your, for your marketing program. So Foo Analytics is a way for them to see what bots are hitting your site or clicking on your ads 
uh, and how much of those bots are impacting your campaigns so that you can actually start to clean that out yourself. That's fantastic. Is that something small businesses should look into uh, yeah. and reach out to Foo Analytics or yeah, is that geared more toward the for free. It's actually available for free at fooanalytics.com. So F-O-U analytics with an S.com. And, you know, I've been a small business owner and, you know, back then when Google Analytics first started, you know, I'm grateful that it was free because I couldn't afford anything else, right? There was some paid analytics programs, but those were only for big companies. So I'm launching Foo Analytics uh, for free as well. I've been building this technology for the last eight years, but primarily it was a tool set for myself to use to do the consulting. Because very often, if I don't know how the data was collected I'm not sure whether it was collected properly or whether uh, it had been tampered with in the meantime. So with Foo Analytics, this was originally a tool set that I can use to go audit marketing campaigns for my clients. Uh, but last year, I kind of made it available. I opened it up so that other people can use it. And in fact, if they, you know, if they learn how to use GA, they can very easily uh, learn how to use Foo Analytics. And the point is it empowers them to look for fraud in their own campaigns and be able to take the action so that they don't have to pay for other fraud detection uh, companies that have tech, but they don't really show you any data. So then you kind of have to just trust their number is correct. Like, oh, it's 5% bots or whatever, but you don't know what bots they are and you can't do anything about it. Um, and that is great. So for everybody listening, um, I will include the link in the show notes, uh, as well as some other fascinating links to other stuff that, that Dr. Fu has written about uh, on Forbes and, and, and other really great places and publications. Uh, one of the things that Doc and I had talked about was uh, going back to the article I'd read, which was one of the ways to kind of vet a marketer by asking a simple question. And that one question could either qualify or disqualify a marketer. So we're going to leave a little bit of suspense in the air, <laughs> and we're not going to actually say what the question is. Uh, I will include the link to the article so everybody can kind of go and read it, right, as that was that was what kind of got me into uh, in contact with Dr. Fu. But let's talk about some of the fundamentals that you mentioned in the article. Um, Great. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really good segue. All right. Yeah. So the small business owners, you know, basically when I do digital marketing, I'm always looking for whether it drove any sales for me, right? Because if I spend a hundred dollars in digital marketing and it didn't drive any sales or business outcomes for me, uh, I could not afford to spend the next hundred dollars, right? So I'm assuming a lot of the small business owners are, are in the same boat. And then, you know, for larger marketers, we talk about the concept of incrementality. So, you know, without even going into these marketing buzzwords, it's basically whether you drove additional sales when you had marketing going on, as opposed to the sales that would have happened anyway, right? So a lot of small business owners, say on Main Street or in local cities and towns, people are going to walk in and get their hair cut at a barbershop anyway, right? People are going to walk into a restaurant because they like it and because it's around the corner or something. So those are sales, you know, that would have happened anyway. So if you're doing marketing, the question is, did that incremental dollar that you spent in marketing lead to any sales that wouldn't have happened in the absence of that marketing? And really the point of that article was to 
have marketers think about, uh, you know, the dollars that they're spending, because a lot of times the bigger marketers, right, the big brands, the big advertisers, they have billions of dollars to spend, right? Whereas small business owners have, you know, $100 or $1,000 to spend. In those cases, when they're spending the billions of dollars, they actually don't make a good effort to connect the ad spending to the actual incremental sales. Because in most cases, like for PNG, you know, the sales of dish soap or soda or, you know, soup cans in the, in the grocery store, those sales happen anyway. It's actually, you know, they claim to be very hard to connect. Oh, we spent these dollars and we made these sales. So yes, it is difficult, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right? Small business owners have to do that all the time. Uh, so they have to ensure that uh, the marketing dollars that they spend are actually driving new sales that would not have happened anyway. Absolutely. And as you could hear, a bell went off in my mind. Um, <laughs> yes. Actually, the truth was I had everything do not disturb. <laughs> uh, somehow one notification still managed to sneak through. So that's one of the cool things that I hope our audience uh, actually appreciates that this is very much live conversation. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not pre-scripted. So uh, it, it's part of the fun, I guess, of, of, of live podcasting. So that ties back to, I think, let's go back to basics for, you know, for somebody like me. And I always tell my clients, you know, the most important thing is everybody has to be reading from the same sheet of music, right? So in other words, everybody has to understand the goals of any campaign. But if we go back even farther than that, every campaign should put more money in the cash register than it takes out. Yeah. Otherwise, so it's not worth it. Correct. Otherwise, it's not worth it. So everything should be measured. Um, everything should be measured against, you know, whether it's financially a win or not. Um, yeah. And that's a that's a really great point. I, I think a lot of small business owners are already doing this, which is measuring against, you know, actual business outcomes. Unfortunately, when again, we talk about the biggest brands, um, they tend to use what I call quantity metrics, which are more like vanity metrics. Um, so what I mean by that is they like to look at spreadsheets that tell them how many ads they bought, right? Oh, you bought 100 billion ad impressions online because you could spend millions of dollars against it. So they buy huge quantities of ads. And from those, they have other quantity metrics like number of clicks, number of people visiting their sites and things like that. Now, as a fraud researcher, I can tell you that a lot of that is generated by bots and not by humans actually liking your ad and clicking on it, right? So you can get enormous numbers of ad impressions, enormous numbers of clicks on your ads, and in fact, a lot of traffic on your site, but those are not humans who will actually buy your stuff. So that's obviously not going to work for a small business owner. And the reason I say small business owners tend to be more immune to this because they are looking at uh, real business outcomes, right? They tend to not get caught up too much on these digital metrics. And like you said, we should measure everything, but we, all, we should also be careful to choose which metrics to measure. Because in digital, you know, having been a digital practitioner for 25 years, there's a whole lot of data, right? So there's a ton of data, a ton of information that's thrown off by these digital things, right? You get to see clicks, you get to see number of impressions, but a ton more data doesn't necessarily mean a ton more insights because some of that data is actually just crappy or generated by bots, not by humans, right? So 
as long as the small business owners stay focused on KPIs, key performance indicators that tie directly to their uh, business outcomes, then that's a good thing, right? And because that's going to help them be more cautious in terms of their spending. And they will notice that when the spending is happening and they're not getting the sales, they should start looking into why, right? And when they dig into the analytics, they might actually uncover, okay, well, some of these ads were not, were not shown to humans, they were shown to bots. But again, in contrast to the biggest companies who are not looking as closely, I've said historically, and I've even written an article on Forbes about this, small business owners tend to do better digital marketing than uh, the biggest of brands because they actually have the right KPIs in place and because they're more thoughtful about every dollar that they spend. So I think that also begs a really good question for some of our, our less sophisticated small business owners, but who are looking to level up, right? They're looking to up their game. I mean, you've played, you've played the digital game and the marketing game in some of the largest arenas and most competitive arenas in the world. But when you put on your small business owner hat, what KPIs do you view as a small business owner and how do you value them in terms of what's most important to, you know, least important, but the ones you use when you're doing your own marketing? There's only one. Uh, it's business outcomes, right? Sales. So in my case, I, I sell consulting, right? So that's a slightly different kind of thing than a small business owner that's a restaurant, that's a barbershop, that's a small, you know, deli or store or whatever. So um, they got to figure out uh, really what drives their business and what drives their profitability and focus on those things. So it's one, it's not many, it is literally did it drive business outcomes. But then we get into how, right? So what are the tactics that are available to them to use? And I'll kind of boil it down relatively simply. Uh, if they want to do digital marketing, and I think most of them do want to do di more digital marketing, it's a it's an affordable channel. But as long as you make sure you're staying away from the ad fraud and the bots who are there to rip you off. So I'll kind of boil it down uh, to you know what I would do, like you said, as a small business owner. If I'm doing search ads, I would do that on Google because obviously humans Google things, right? So they do go there, right? And they Google things. But make sure you turn off Google search partners and Google display network because all of those are the sites and mobile apps outside of the Google main property uh, that are running Google ads using their platform, right? So in that case, if you keep the ads on Google itself, then, you know, it's usually people searching and then they click on your ad and come to your, your site. Uh, if they also want to do Facebook advertising, um, basically they should do the display ads on Facebook, but again, turn off Facebook audience network, which are all the sites and apps outside of Facebook, but that run ads using their platform. So in that case, um, you know, people still use Facebook. So you can be more assured that your ads are shown to humans um, and not to not to bots. So those are kind of tactically what I would choose to do. Uh, and you may do YouTube advertising and things like that. And the reason I tend to focus on digital is because most small business owners don't have millions of dollars of ad budgets like the big brands. So I or they can't afford TV advertising typically. Right. Some may be able to afford radio and stuff like that. But in digital, you have the benefit of these feedback loops. Right. Did people see your ad? Did they click on your ad? Did they come to your site? And did they actually buy something? Right. So, again, focus on 
business outcomes and then select the tactics that are actually yielding the best business outcomes for you. You're listening to the Small Business Leadership Podcast with Tom Patton and Jason Johnson. We'll be back with more right after this. The Small Business Leadership Podcast is made possible by Broadreach Communications and Marlin Consulting Solutions. Marlin Consulting Solutions specializes in local SEO service packages to improve your page rankings and exposure on the search engines, leading to more leads, more customers, and business growth. Be the first business your customers see when they conduct local searches on search engines like Google, Bing, and Yahoo. Find out how by visiting Marlin Consulting Solutions at marlincs.com. Broadreach Communications provides professional communication services for small businesses that need those services but do not need a full-time communications department. They provide website content ranging from news and blog posts to podcasts and company newsletters. Broadreach Communications can help you stay in touch with existing customers and reach new ones. Find them online at broadreach.biz. Welcome back to the Small Business Leadership Podcast with Jason Johnson and Tom Patton. Let's get back to this episode. So as I as I process all that, which is fantastic, you know, if I was to simplify it, I would say it all comes down to focus, right? So wherever you're choosing to advertise. And let's say for people who are like, well, you know, I really don't necessarily want to do digital. Um, I want to go more traditional. The the lessons are all still the same, right? It's yes, focused, exactly the same. Right? Yeah. It, the, the tactic is just the way you deliver your message, yeah. right? So it, if your audience is offline, that's right. If your audience is offline and they're not coming online, then don't do digital, right? You go where your audience is. So yes, all, all of those should be readily apparent to the small business, depending on you know the nature of their business. So following this same thing, right? So we were talking about KPIs and we we're talking about, you know, asking the simple question, right? Did this program or did this campaign lead to sales? Um, I think it is also fair to include building blocks that go along with this, right? And, and I hope you agree. And if you disagree, please, please tell me. But every sale uh, has a journey that happens before, right? So there's going to be, there's going to be indicators that, that load into, uh, essentially like a hopper, like a funnel, and then they work their way through the funnel or sales pipeline. People call it lots of different things, right? Customer journey. Yeah. Um, and then eventually it turns into a sale or not a sale. So um, one of the one of the KPIs I also tend to talk people about is, you know, what does it cost you to get a lead, right? And cost per lead. Yes. And it is different than sales, but you do require a certain number of leads in order to get to a sale. Um, so would you agree that it's also important to have clarity on those metrics that kind of build into the ultimate metric and the ultimate KPI, which is, did it sell something? Yes, that's very important because sometimes, you know, the sales cycles tend to be longer, right? It's not just buying a, a can of soup or a bottle of soda or something. So some of those uh, sales cycles tend to be longer. So you do need interim uh, KPIs or metrics to use to see if your marketing is working. So let me start with an example, uh, and and then I'll kind of talk about a little bit more of the theory. Uh, so when I was working for a medical device company, 
and they did LASIK, a specific kind of LASIK uh, laser uh, for surgery. There's only a finite number of small clinics in different cities that carry that particular uh, brand of LASIK or that particular uh, laser for eye surgery. Um, so ultimately, uh, it's kind of like a franchise where you know it's owned by small business owners, perhaps even the doctor themselves in that particular city or town. So in those cases, uh, th- there's uh, dollars spent by the brand uh, on national advertising, but there's also marketing done by that doctor to their local community. So one of the things that we looked at was what I would call the, the interim KPI. Uh, when we put marketing uh, into the market, right? So whether it's digital ads or, or local uh, TV ads and things like that, we wanted to see if it led to an increase in traffic to that particular doctor's website. Did they do a zip code search to find a doctor in their area? Did they then click on the website or the link to go to that doctor's website? Because if they do, then it's like, okay, they've expressed their interest. Okay, they're looking for a doctor with that particular type of LASIK laser machine uh, in their community, right? So they can actually go to that doctor. So to me, we use those digital KPIs, right? And in fact, it was like a combo KPI, right? We looked at, did they do a zip code search? And then did they click to the local physician's website? And in that case, you know, the bots have no incentive to do that because the bots are software programs and, you know, they get paid for certain things like loading web pages or clicking on stuff. But in this case, doing that two-step process doesn't result in any payment, right? The marketer was not paying when they do those two things. So again, I'm kind of bringing in the aspect of always be on the lookout for fraud, right? So in this case, those uh, two-step process, the zip code search plus click to the uh, doctor's website is not something that bots are incentivized to do. So that means it is a reliable KPI to use to judge the effectiveness or the relative effectiveness of your marketing programs, right? So so that's the example. Uh, And now let me get to some of the theory. Um, For small business owners, if people are simply not aware of your product or your service, you need to make them aware. So you would likely choose awareness tactics. So in the offline world, that could be a billboard, right? It could be TV advertising. It could be a magazine or print ad. Uh, In digital, it could be a display ad or video ad. You're simply putting your product or service on their radar, right? Making them aware. So like you said, it's kind of like putting people in the top of the funnel so that they can actually start to make their way through the journey. And then, as you know, most consumers these days, they're not just going to take the ad at face value and just go buy the product because the TV ad or the print ad or the digital ad said it was cool. They're going to go do some more research, right? So when you see an ad, most people will go online and search for more information to inform their own customer journey. And I've written about customer journeys and missing links. So, so if anyone wants to Google that, uh, you can find the more extensive slide decks and, and written material. But let me give you a summary of the way I think about it. Every consumer has a different customer journey or potentially a different customer journey. Some will be long, some will be short. And they tend to cluster around what I call the, the nature of the product. If it's a simple product like soup or soda, people don't tend to do a lot of research, right? So their journeys tend to be short and they can get to the purchase very quickly. 
if the products tend to be big ticket items or complex ones like a car or like a computer that has a lot of features. Most consumers tend to do a little bit more research before they make the purchase, right? So those journeys tend to be a little bit longer. And what are they doing along those journeys? They're basically looking for more information to help support their own decision, right? First, the decision to buy. And then the second, the decision about which brand uh, to choose, right? You have multiple digital cameras. Do you buy the Sony one, the Canon one, uh, the Fuji one or whatever? So those are decisions that they want to make for themselves. And they're going to come online to look for information. They're going to look for customer reviews and additional data that's going to help them make those decisions. And I call those bits of information that they need missing links. So if you picture a chain, a a chain link, if any one link is broken, then the entire chain is broken, right? So that chain is kind of like the analogy for the customer journey. If they're missing one piece of information, they just can't find it. They can't get to the next step of their own journey, no matter how long or short that is, right? So if you, the marketer, uh, can help them by filling in those missing links, by connecting those links, by providing them the information, uh, then they can actually get their answer and then move on to their next question and then the next question and then the next question. And in fact, if we think about it this way, right, it's the customer that moves themselves along the customer journey. So it's a little bit different way of thinking about that than the marketer saying, okay, well, what message should we send out to convince the customer that our product is awesome, right? I think you you know people will say or people will understand that most modern consumers are too skeptical uh, for that, right? So they'll, sure. they're going to go online and say, well, no, the product reviews aren't that good, no matter how good your ad says it is, right? So in those cases, that's what I mean by they're going to make their own way through their journey to the purchase. And whichever marketer or small business owner can help them in that process the most efficient, most efficiently, right? Get, get them the answers as quickly as possible. Then they can get to the purchase themselves. So and just, that, to, and just so to close that, out on, on this, sorry. and just to close out on this quick thought, um, part of that is by putting content online, because if you're able to answer a missing link for a customer, there's probably other customers in the future that have the same question that need the same answer. Right. So I also say this, right, every dollar spent on content uh, instead of ads will provide longer lasting value uh, to whoever spent it than an ad because the ads are over after they're aired. Right. Literally after the display ad is displayed, it's gone. You don't use it again. Right. After the TV ad is aired, it's done. So that means your spending on the TV ad only has the impact uh, and it ends right after the ad is aired. Whereas if you spend money on creating useful content for your customers, another customer might have the same question in the future. When they Google it, they will find the answer that you provided them. And whoever is the most efficient at solving their missing links is the one who's going to earn the sale at the end. I mean, that is all really great advice and super, super valid. So um, in summary for our small business owners that may be saying to themselves, hey, you know what, this all makes perfect sense, right? I get it. I get that it's a chain and I have to have all the links, but how do I, how do I do this? 
So here's a, here's so for those of you listening that might be looking for a little bit of an action plan, here are some of the things I would advise. And Doc, if you agree, let me know. If you disagree, obviously, like chime in and we'll, we'll apply the appropriate corrections. But I would say the first thing to do is you should start by taking a walk in your customer's shoes. So visit your website, but visit it through the lens of somebody who is unaware of your product. If you can't do that, uh, bring somebody in, get a friend, somebody that hasn't bought from you or somebody that hasn't done business with you and ask them to navigate your website and and complete the goal, like complete a purchase, complete a booking, complete you know something that would turn into a sale for you and see what that looks like. And if you encounter missing links in the chain, then those are your opportunities to fix those. Some of the things you do to fix those is potentially create a frequently asked question section on your website. So if you see the same question coming up time and time and time again on phone calls or on appointments, that's something you can add to your website or in what like the doc described, potentially even write a blog post about it and discuss in detail what the solution is or what that particular, uh, what the answer to that particular question is so that you can continue to educate the customer as they hop from one link to another. Um, and, and then in addition to that, I, I think there's also the importance of adding uh, educational content in terms of helping people understand the problem as well as understand the solutions. Would you agree, Doc? Yeah, those are great and practical and concrete things that people can do, right? So I love the FAQ because if you're hearing those questions from many customers, undoubtedly there will be other future customers that have the same questions. So literally uh, make those and keep them short, right? So here's the question, here's a typical answer, right? So someone can read what others have asked and, oh yeah, I have that same question and you help them with the answer. And then furthermore, if your product is a little bit more complex, education is important, right? Because um, they have to understand how your product is gonna solve their problem, right? They're gonna buy your service, buy your product because they need it, right? They need it for something. And the more you can educate them about it, right? It's not through ads, right? Ads are kind of like a piece of content, but a TV ad is 30 seconds, right? How much can, how much information can you get across in 30 seconds? And it typically has to be more generic than specific, right? So those are kind of limited. And a banner ad, right, online is so short and seen for such a brief amount of time. How much information can you convey? So I've also, you know, given this advice to small business owners, uh, make sure you create enough content because, you know, even if someone searches and then ends up coming to your site, if you don't have much content or any content on there, uh, they're going to leave disappointed, right? Oh, they weren't helpful. You know, I'm going to go somewhere else, right? You might've even lost the customer, you know, completely. So before you kick in any paid advertising, for example, paid search, make sure you have at least a foundation of content somewhere that can be found. So whether that's on a website, uh, your own website, or you know, if you're a seller on Amazon, right? There should be reviews, there should be product descriptions, there should be you know, customer testimonials and things like that that would be helpful to the next customer that ends up coming to your site or to your store on Shopify or Amazon. So all of those are to help them help themselves, right? Get further along their journey. Because again, whoever can do it most efficiently will earn the sale down the line. Agreed. Um, and I'm sure as, as an additional action point, um, you'd also agree that reputation is is also super important, right? That 
um, every small business owner should have an intentional process for, you know, gathering feedback and reviews, right? Because that contributes, exactly. that yeah, contributes the, the better, to all the content you're talking about. Yeah. The better you understand your customer um, and how they see your product, the better you're able to articulate it to the next customer. And, you know, even simple things like sometimes, you know, sites don't have search, okay, search on it, right? So you, when you go to the site, you can't find what you're looking for. So you want to look for, you know, use the site search. And a you know, simple, simple thing that a site owner can do is simply record the searches because then you can see, oh, well, 10 different people searched on this exact same thing or like slight variations of the phrases, of course, but, you know, it's essentially the same question. So that gives you a kind of a continuous feedback loop of what customers are looking for when they arrive on your site. But unfortunately, I've seen too many small business owners and the biggest of marketers not even have site search or not even record the searches that are being done on their site. So, you know, that's such a useful source of customer insight and feedback that is completely underutilized or not utilized at all. Right. So little simple things like that. You know, if you're putting yourself in the shoes of the customer, you'll find the missing links, meaning the little tidbits of information they need to get to the next step in their purchase journey, right? And then if you're looking at uh, the searches that they do on your site, those are the missing links. Literally, you know, the, the reason I like this framework called missing links is because they're not only observable, but they're also actionable, right? So you can observe what are the missing links that customers tell you, right? The bits of information that they need, and then you can do something about it, right? If you don't have that content on your website, make that content and put it on your website or put it on your storefront somewhere, right? So all of these become actionable and therefore it's practical. Fantastic. Well, Doc, I'd, I'd like to thank you for your time. Unfortunately, we've hit our our uh, 30 minutes and it just, it flew by so quickly. All right. um, it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. I could talk about this kind of stuff all day long, um, but we do try to, to stick to our 30 minute deal. So- All right. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll gather feedback from my listeners, and I'm pretty sure that if you're okay with it, we'd love to invite you back again, and maybe we'll take a slightly deeper dive into different parts of this based on feedback and based on what people say. So that again, thank you, thank so you very for your much. Time. Thank you, Jason. All right, guys. And for those of you listening, don't forget uh, fooanalytics.com, F-O-U-analytics.com uh, is where you can find the platform that Dr. Fu talked about. Uh, you can also find him on LinkedIn and he has a whole bunch of articles published on Forbes. All these will be located in the show notes. Uh, so you'll be able to find those and head on over there. So thanks again, Doc. We really appreciate it. And to all you business owners out there, you know, keep your head down, keep working hard, keep hustling hard and keep building, lifting, innovating, and driving the global economy every day. The Small Business Leadership Podcast is produced by Marlin Consulting Solutions and Broadreach Communications. Be sure to join us again for the next edition of the Small Business Leadership Podcast. And remember to look for the opportunity in every challenge.